Chase Brown's just really good, and he might be good enough to give Illinois a chance against Michigan. You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show, we're going to preview Illinois and Michigan, two teams who obviously cannot afford to lose this matchup with big, big implications for the end of the season coming up. Michigan, of course, looking ahead to that Ohio State game next week, and Illinois hoping to stay alive in the Big Ten West after having a firm grip on things not too long ago. We'll get to all of that as well as results from basketball from yesterday that you may have missed and all the latest news, including the UC Board of Regents' non-decision on anything for UCLA. That was a waste of a conversation yesterday. But we'll get into what they're doing and everything else here on the program. Today's episode of Locked On Big Ten is brought to you by Sling TV. Sling has something for everyone, especially when it comes to college football coverage. You can get all of the games from all around football over at Sling TV and get the TV you love at the price that you'll love as well. Try it on out today. Let's dive right into things here on Locked On Big Ten. The Illinois Fighting Illini have a big, big test ahead of them. They knew they'd have to play off against Michigan at some point. They were just hoping it would be with still a game lead in the Big Ten West. But after losing to Purdue last week, of course, all those plans have changed. And now the Illini need to win this one to keep their hopes of going to Indy alive. It's going to be a not easy game to win for sure, though. I mean, Michigan's been one of the worst teams to play against, especially with what Illinois does well. We'll get into that here right now. Here's my thinking going into this game. Michigan's going to score a lot of points. I don't think Illinois can stop them. I don't think anyone who's had good defenses has been able to stop Michigan for the most part this season. They're going to get their points. I believe in Michigan football more than I believe in Illinois football. However, I certainly believe in Chase Brown too. And if he can do what he does, then Illinois can score some points in this game. And if Illinois can score some points in this game, they can keep this game close. And who knows what happens if the game ends up close at the end. Then you just got a Big Ten football game. And anything can happen at the end of one of those. So how does that happen? Can Chase Brown actually carry this team to a point where it's competitive with Michigan at the end? Unlikely. But there is some room for belief if you're an Illini fan. Let's start with the negatives if you're an Illinois fan, though. Michigan's one of the best defenses in the country. And it could arguably be, at least by the numbers, the best team in the country at stopping the run. Uh, Quite literally, when you go by yards per game rushing, number one in the entire nation. Nobody does it better than the Wolverines. Best in the country by the numbers there, holding teams down and allowing nothing at all. It hasn't allowed more than 140 rushing yards to an entire team all season, averaging allowing about 70 yards per game on the ground. The good news, though, is that it hasn't really mattered if you're Chase Brown here. Chase Brown has dominated just about everyone on the ground, whether you're good or bad. The last matchup against Purdue was the first time in which he didn't get to 100 yards rushing. Got to 98, of course, went out of that game, and 
Hopefully he's at full strength when Illinois does play Michigan here this weekend. You know, if there's any chance that he can be out on the field, Illinois is going to have him out there on the field. They need him to be competitive in this football game. But in the other matchups in which Chase Brown has gone up against perfectly good defenses too. Again, Michigan's number one, but let's just run down the numbers here in other opponents that he has faced off against. Iowa, seventh in the country in rushing yards allowed per game. He ran for 146. Wisconsin, number 19 in the country in rushing yards allowed per game, ran for 129. Minnesota, number 21 in the country in allowing rushing yards per game. He ran for 180 yards. Chase Brown does not care how good your defense is. He will run past it. He will be able to get his against anybody. And I have full belief that that will not stop against Michigan either. Michigan's going to know that Chase Brown is running the football. Michigan is going to focus in on Chase Brown running the football. It is not going to matter. Chase Brown is going to have at least his chunky yardage. Now, if he doesn't have an outstanding game, so be it. If Michigan ends up walking away saying, hey, we did a pretty good job against that guy, that can happen. But to think that he's just going to be held to like under 50 yards and shut down in this game, that's not how he works. Chase Brown gets his yards. He puts his team in opportunities to make plays to open up the passing game for a guy like Tommy DeVito, who's having the best season by far of his college career, thanks to Chase Brown's running. It's the formula for what makes Illinois' offense work, and the fact that Illinois is in contention for the Big Ten West is a testament that it works every single time. Not to mention, by the way, Chase Brown and his Illinois fighting Illini are the number three team in the country in allowing rushing yards per game. So every single time he's going out to practice, every single time he's getting full team reps with pads out there, he's doing it up against the best of the best. He has the experience. He's proven it every single game, game in and game out, that he will run over your team. And I don't care how scary Michigan looks on defense. I believe in Chase Brown more than I believe in Michigan's ability to stop him. Do they keep him to less than what he's done normally? Certainly within the realm of possibility, Michigan is that good. But there's a reason why Michigan took a step back on defense this year, at least in the preseason it looked like. It's because the stars weren't there. And while plenty of guys have stepped up and been really, really good, and that team is elite on the defensive side of the football, when I'm looking at it like, okay, who's stopping Chase Brown once he gets into that second level in the open field? I'm taking Chase Brown in that head-to-head every single time. That guy's going to fall forward. Chase Brown has that ability to run through you and not care how good your defense is. I just hope it's enough to make things interesting on Saturday. I don't know if it's going to be enough to get Illinois to win the game because that's the thing is that the Illini have to also be able to score around him. Like Chase Brown does a really good job and he scores plenty of touchdowns, but he's not going to be able to do it all all by himself. He can carry most of that load if he goes off. But there's going to have to be some point where Illinois actually converts things into points outside of just him. So if that can happen, if Chase Brown can do his job, which he's done every single time, and I believe he will again, can Illinois' supporting cast around him on offense at least get that other 10% there? If Chase Brown is able to get you 90% of the way to score in a bunch of points, can Michigan's or can Illinois' offense get him the rest of that 10%? 
that's what will be the difference between whether or not this is just another Michigan blowout or whether or not this one's interesting for at least a little while. I'm not going to discredit Michigan here. They could easily, if Illinois scores like, say, even 30 points off of all huge Chase Brown runs, Michigan could easily just drop 50 and walk away with a big win anyway. That's definitely within the realm of possibility too. But I'm talking about what makes this close at the end. It's Chase Brown going off is the easiest formula to a Michigan win or to an Illinois win here because the defense isn't going to do it. Tommy DeVito certainly isn't going to do it without Chase Brown leading the way. It's all Chase Brown or nothing here for Illinois. And I'm pretty sure everybody going into this game knows it. It's just that Chase Brown doesn't really care. After our break, we're going to get into the basketball from yesterday across the Big Ten. It may be time to start worrying a little bit if you're a Michigan Wolverines fan. And also, Penn State blows a big lead to Furman, but ends up with a close win at the end. We'll get into that here in just a second on Locked On Big Ten. Before we do any of that, though, i got to tell you more about Nugenics Total Tea. It's a product out there to really just help you if you're getting old. Nugenics Total Tea contains man-boosting key ingredients like testophen. It's a testosterone booster, you may have guessed, but it has the numbers behind it too, kind of like Chase Brown. It has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. Because Nugenics Total Tea boosts free testosterone that the aging process robs, you'll feel stronger, leaner, and with more energy and drive and more passion too. You can get your complimentary bottle of Total New tea from Nugenics when you text college to 321, or I'm sorry, no, 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 can't mess up the number. When you text college to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, or with key or with key, ingre- key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text college to 231231. That's college to 231231. A surprising score if you didn't watch the game and just saw the score at the end between Arizona State and Michigan. It was a blowout. Uh, 91-60 to 60 was the final. I'm not sure exactly. No, 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 no. It wasn't quite that bad. Here. I thought I had the score written down. I can pull it up here real quick for us. 73-68, to 68, the final score in that Penn State Furman game, which I was looking up before this. We'll get to that game in just a minute. But Michigan ends up getting blown out, absolutely destroyed by Arizona State in the final game of the Legends Classic. And to be quite honest, if you were a Michigan fan watching this game, you might have been able to see this coming. 87-62 to 62 is the final score in that game. Wasn't quite as bad. 91-60 to 60 was the final score in the Michigan win on Wednesday. That's where I got that number from, over Pitt. But 87-62 to 62 is yucky if you're a Michigan fan. And it happened because of poor shooting for the Wolverines, which in a normal game, in a normal case, I'm pretty easily ready to write off as, hey, just had a bad shooting night, especially early in the season, only four four games in, you get yourself where you can't shoot. That happens. But this has become a little bit of a theme to start the season for Michigan. And while I'm not really worried about Michigan shooting quite as poorly as it has, I am worried about like, okay, are there the shooters here to get Michigan competitive in the Big Ten, like it's a good team, we know. But why aren't the shots falling yet? Those questions have to start to be asked. Uh, Michigan took nine more shots than Arizona State in this game. It went to the free throw line and shot 10 more free throws than the Sun Devils did in this game. Despite both of those numbers, 
it lost by 25 points. Those aren't good. The reason is because the Wolverines shot 34% from the field. It shot 18% from behind the arc. It was not a pretty shooting night for Michigan, and also 67% from the free throw line as well while we're at it. The three-point shooting is starting to get concerning now because this is now three out of four games. Outside of the blowout against Pitt, three out of four games Michigan shot, it was 32%, 24%, I believe, and now 18% from three. And while, again, it's the early season and players are still getting used to things out there and getting their sea legs again on the court, Michigan's supposed to be a top 25 team. And having these poor shooting nights this consistently is something that makes you think that there may be something wrong. And I'm not saying it's not something that can be fixed, because that's kind of the bright side within all of this, is that if you have poor shooting, it is one of the more fixable things out there. Because, But I'm not really sold yet on that just being the issue, that it's just a matter of Illinois or Michigan not hitting in their shots. I think it might just be that Michigan's not that great of a shooting team. Now, we got to figure this out, and we got to figure out who the shooters are for Michigan then. But if it's limited, that's a disadvantage, a big, big disadvantage to have when you're trying to play Big Ten basketball. And again, I'm not ready to totally be like, okay, let's sound the alarm. But it's now time to start asking questions. Because barely beating Eastern Michigan, that's not great. Yeah, Amoni Bates went off, sure, but... Barely beating that team isn't what you want out of what's supposed to be a preseason top 25 team. Uh, IPFW, that team's maybe the worst team in the entire country, at least as far as like the Ken Palm rankings and things go like that. They're down near the bottom. Michigan State couldn't beat them by 20 because of a poor shooting night. Now, again, the good news is this is one of the more fixable things if it can be fixed. You can get your guys hitting shots, you can blame bad shooting nights, and you can work on that more. It's at least better, I would say, than if Michigan was having trouble with turnovers, which it isn't. Michigan's done an outstanding job not turning the ball over actually early in the season. So if it was something where like you're throwing the ball away, that's something where it's like, okay, you need to figure out decision-making. You need to actually get inside a player's head and get him to see the court differently. But if it's a matter of him just adjusting the form of the shot, that's something that can be fixed. That's something that's more easily fixed in practice and quickly than, say, if you're just being sloppy with the basketball, which Michigan is not quite being here in this case. So good news there for the Wolverines, but after this loss, I think this is the wake-up call. We are like, okay, maybe we should actually start asking questions about what's going on with this team and its shooting. And the other close one from basketball yesterday, uh, Penn State went close with Firm in an AM matchup which means I got to watch most of this one. Penn State went up huge early in this game and then ended up making things really, really close at the end with a fierce, firming comeback. Uh, Mike Bothwell dropped 26 points on the Nittany Lions from the guard spot. Lundy and Pickett both got 20 for Penn State. I think the big question is here, who's going to match up with those stars? So like when you've got the players uh, who are like Mike Bothwell, I guess, for Furman, and like plenty of stars in the Big Ten, Who's going to be the guy who tries to slow him down? That's, I guess, the next question. We asked uh, Zach Seiko yesterday about, okay, who's going to be the leader of the team on offense when he's running things with five seniors? Now I want to know who's going to lead things on defense. Who's going to be the guy who stops it? Or at least how do you try and stop 
the Big Ten's best players because while Penn State has the experience, it does not have the star power. And that's going to be the one thing it's lacking when it comes to Big Ten play. And when it goes up against a Trace Jackson Davis, a Hunter Dickinson, uh, anybody else, seemingly like four different players on the Michigan State team with how they've been playing, how do you stop them? I don't know the answer to that yet for Penn State. And uh, Mike Bothwell didn't have me thinking that Penn State knows the answer to it either with the way that he went off in that second half. So that's the big concern for each of those teams after a big loss and then a close win over a team you probably should have beaten by more. For Michigan, figure out the shooting. Maybe try and have a couple of more good games so I don't have these worries about this anymore because I'm not panicking yet, but I'm starting to think, okay, top 25 teams don't shoot like this this consistently to start the season. And then for Penn State, Figure out who's doing what with that team exactly. It shouldn't be hard. Again, you've got all seniors, but at least identify like, hey, you're stepping up in this spot. You're stopping this guy. And again, you should be fine. Zach Seiko says you'll be top half of the Big Ten, perhaps, at the end of the season, which again is way over what the preseason rankings had those teams at. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to finish things up by looking at all of the other news that you may have missed from across the Big Ten from yesterday. The UC Board of Regents decided nothing on their meeting yesterday. Of course they didn't. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on Locked On Big Ten. First, Bet Online is the place to go for any of your online sports gambling needs. You know it. If you head on over to Bet Online, you'll be able to find all of the games that you want to bet on, the best lines, overs, unders, anything else you want to bet on there. You can find it at Bet Online. It's where the game starts, and it's where you can find any of the lines that we're talking about here on Locked On Big Ten. If it's said here on the show, it's the line that we have at the time of recording according to Bet Online. So you can bet alongside us. If you hear a line that's different and better than what you've been looking at, you can go over to Bet Online, bet it. And of course, be sure to get an account right now and get started. It's Bet Online where the game starts. Back here on Locked On Big Ten. The UC Board of Regents decided nothing yesterday. They decided to meet again in a month. It'll be December 14th when they have a special session to make a final ruling on what's going on with UCLA and the Big Ten. Again, to just quickly in a couple of sentences recap, the UC Board says that it has the power to block UCLA if it wants, but we don't know if that's actually the case. We don't know if they're actually going to try that. I don't think they will, but we won't find out for another month, at least until December 14th or if they want to go further than that. One quote that came out from Regent John Perez after the meeting yesterday, uh, quote, this was a call that was made on the field, and now we're reviewing the call, seeing if there's some substantive reason why the call should be overturned. I've read that over a few times. I have no idea what that means. I, they made a decision, and they're going to see if it's, the right decision or if there's a reason to change it they're going to go to other people maybe to talk about it they're going to sleep on it for a month i don't know but whatever's going to happen it's going to happen on december 14th maybe i'm getting tired of this in other big 10 news recruiting news was not good for the big 10 yesterday uh decommitments a little bit all over the place. Uh, Three-star edge David Cocker decommitted from Iowa and then right away committed to Iowa State. That one hurts for the Hawkeyes yesterday. Three-star athlete Colin Dixon and three-star defensive lineman Jamel Howard both decommitted from Wisconsin as well. And four-star running back Mark Fletcher decommitted from Ohio State too. 
So a whole bunch of decommitments. We're going to have to get John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated on here next week to go over those. As it's been a couple of weeks now. We've had some players decommitting from Big Ten schools. And of course, we'll hopefully have some good news and commitments to go over with John too as well. As far as the Big Ten schedule goes, we've got matchups all over the place in basketball today. Penn State's playing against Virginia Tech in the final matchup of the Charleston Classic. Temple faces off against Rutgers. Indiana's on the road at Xavier. Purdue-Fort Wayne is up against Northwestern. Villanova faces off against Michigan State. Obviously a huge one. And Illinois will play UCLA. The NCAA Field Hockey Tournament keeps going today, too. Penn State's at North Carolina, Maryland versus Northwestern in an all-Big Ten matchup. And the Women's Soccer NCAA Tournament is continuing as well. TCU against Michigan State, West Virginia against Penn State, Vanderbilt against Northwestern, and Ohio State versus Arkansas. Finally, on the volleyball court, a top 15 matchup, number 9, Minnesota, is on the road at number 14, Penn State Volleyball. That's a look at all of the matchups from around the Big Ten and all the news that you may have missed. We'll be back here tomorrow to help you recap everything going on in the Big Ten in college football. It's a big, big weekend to tell you all about. And of course, we'll have all the reaction from everything that's going on in the games here on the channel. You can listen in and watch on your podcast feed and on YouTube, wherever it is you listen. And, of course, well, on YouTube is where you watch. And follow us on Twitter, too, Locked On Big Ten. That's Locked On Big One Zero, not T-E-N at the end there. I'm Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter, and this has been Locked On Big Ten.